that one thing that keeps me up at night is how unengaged the church seems to be in our world. Mm. And when I'm driving around downtown and I see, you know, church buildings that are practically empty, they're dilapidated and falling down, and there's so much hunger and poverty, the reality is, like, if there were more of us involved in the world, the light would be a whole lot brighter. You're listening to the Upside Down Podcast. A place for unscripted conversations on life and faith. Join us as we discuss what it looks like when Jesus turns our lives upside down. Hi guys, welcome to Upside Down, a podcast of unscripted conversations on life and faith. I'm Shannon Evans and I'm your host today. And this week we're continuing um, doing things a little bit different, doing individual interviews with each co-host. And today we have Miss Lori Harris up. Yay! Hey y'all! <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about y'all. this. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So just for the record, Lori, where are you living? Where are you from? I am in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Yeah. Hence the y'all mm-hmm. and the, yes. the twang that like everybody it. recognizes. Yeah. Every, we consistently get the feedback that it's hard to tell who's who sometimes, <laughs> but everybody always knows Lori. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. I love, I was thinking, this is Christy, by the way, and I realized that we've got two, currently, two Iowan, Iowans, Iowans, Iowans. I don't know. Iowans. Two people yeah. from Iowa. <laughs> and two people y'all, from. Are y'all considered Yankees in Iowa? Oh, No. Okay. I don't think so. Well, I mean, I've only been here a year and a half, so I'm not sure, but I don't think so. It depends. Okay. I think it depends on who you're asking, because I'm from Indiana, and I feel like people, like some Southerners give me the skeptical Yankee look, but then others are like, you're not a Yankee, you're from the Midwest. So, uh-huh. Okay. But I, but we've got two in North Carolina, too. And then... Yeah, I know. And then I Lindsay. Know. It feels like we're more spread out than that, but we're mm-hmm. actually rather consolidated yeah but we are on opposite ends so, of those duplicate states right like Lori's... and very very different city yes, cultures yeah. i will say that yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> like night and day right <laughs> <laughs> so the way that we've been starting these out is just a few minutes of rapid fire questions where we just kind of um shoot them out christy and i will will give them to Lori as quick as she can answer them and we'll just kind of have fun and see what her answers are so you guys ready mm-hmm. okay all right Lori. yes extrovert or introvert introvert for sure you're good on that elaboration on this yeah you have to have it both like together so if I have mm. popcorn, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put semi sweet chocolate chips on it. Ooh, that's yeah. so yes. good. That's a good call. Or M Ms and popcorn mm-hmm. is so good. Mm-hmm. Yes, always together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. With you. Christy, are you chiming in too? Or yeah. Me? So okay. I know you live in kind of a a small ish town, but would you say that you're a city girl or a country girl at heart? Oh gosh, I would love to say I'm a city girl. But honestly, I think I'm probably a country girl at heart who uh-huh. has been who's like been wooed by the city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've loved every. I don't know. I think that, and I say it often. I think we could be happy anywhere God put us. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. think we would like learn to love the place that He put us because yeah. we've loved everywhere we've ever lived, mm-hmm. and we've lived a mm-hmm. lot of places. It's a good quality to have. I was about to say that. Yeah. It's like a sign of a healthy person. I know. <laughs> I'd be like, I feel like a whiner. <laughs> You, you What's your go-to breakfast? Oh, sorry, Christine. No, you're good. I'm like, I'm like taking the rapid fire yeah. thing so seriously. <laughs> 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 
ridiculous. Sorry to interrupt. What do you say? Oh, I what just. What did you ask? It doesn't. <laughs> what's your go-to breakfast? What's your go-to breakfast? Oh gosh, I don't normally eat breakfast, mm, but no. I will tell you this: when I first get up in the morning, I want a diet coke, mm, and I want a diet coke before I have my first cup of coffee. Yeah. Huh. Yes. So, so do you drink really them like habit. out of the can or the bottle? Or are you the kind of person that will like get up and go get a fountain diet Coke? Cause I definitely have those friends. I don't like fountain diet. Oh, whoa. Not consistent. Oh, really? It's yes. True. They're not consistent. Sometimes the CO2 is like too much in them and they mm-hmm. taste yucky or they mm-hmm. taste syrupy. So I mm-hmm. like them out of like the little mini mm-hmm. bottles and I put them in the freezer for like whoa. 30 minutes until they get really icy. Man, mm. you're like a risk taker for sure. I'm a risk taker because it exploded. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hilarious. On more than one occasion. <laughs> so so uh, I'm curious. I don't know the answer. What did you study in college? That's where I was going to go. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Okay. So I did human development and family studies with the concentration in child and adolescent development. And I chose that major simply because it didn't require but one math class. <laughs> We're so similar because I was child and family studies. And it was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, I basically chose it because it didn't require much of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I like kids yes. and families, you know, but. Yes. So what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Like, what did you, what did you, what did, tell me again what like you studied. Well, the birth birth to, you know, old age, you study mm-hmm. the development of the human body, okay. physiologically, you know, psychologically, emotionally, you, then you also studied, I took a lot of anthropology classes, social work classes. I didn't get a license to teach because I had no interest in teaching. I just wanted to figure out what made the body work and, and why it did what it did. Hmm. Uh, and I, I'm glad I have kind of that, that framework. Because I actually learned more than I thought I did. <laughs> yeah. Because when I graduated, I was like, what the heck am I going to do with this? Right. But it has served me well, honestly. That's amazing. So. It oh, sounds like a, cool. yeah, like a, like an interesting mix of psychology, biology, education. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of philosophy, I would think. Like kind of, not like yes. intentionally, but like sort of under... I don't know, under everything, undercurrents, maybe. Yes, know. but cool. When I before I graduated, you know, you have to meet with your advisor, and you go over like what kind of fields you can go into. Mm-hmm. Like they're all nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Like you don't yes. get any. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I had college debt, and I'm like, what have I now done? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And where did you go to school? At uh, the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. <gasps> it used to be women's college. Yeah. I, yeah. We played, well, let's be honest, I didn't play, but my siblings <laughs> played um, soccer there, I think. Or maybe that was Guilford College, because we lived in High Point for a while. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. So what kind of cake did you have at your wedding? Well, I have a story about the cake. I had, I am not a person who has a lot of opinions about, like, material things. Like, when mm-hmm. I thought about my wedding, I didn't care about my dress or what my bridesmaids wore. I had no opinion about that, mm-hmm. except for my cake. And I wanted a square bottom cake with like square tiers and I wanted no flowers. I just wanted like simple pearls around the cake. So we hired this lady to do my cake, wanted it to be red velvet mm. with um, ivory icing and 
That's all I wanted. Mm -hmm. So the week before my wedding, the lady who was doing my cake had a hysterectomy and she had a hemorrhage. And so at the last minute, we had to find someone to do my cake. Well, guess what her specialty was? Flowers. So my entire wedding cake was like (laughs) circular, tiered, awful, ugly. I mean, I cried about the stupid cake. That was the only thing I cared about, you know, but that's it was fine. Sorry. It was good. It was a good cake, but you know. Not was it pretty. at least red velvet? It was red velvet, yes. Well, that's better than nothing, huh? Yes, with fondant mm. flowers everywhere. I bet mm. there were 60 flowers <laughs> on that cake. That's... They were red, like roses. Yeah. That's. Oh. I'm sad. I'm sad that that's the one thing you cared about, and then <laughs> no. it didn't happen. Disappointed for you. Yeah. Bummer. So, what like did you a... want to be as a kid? A mom. I never wanted a career mm. of any kind. Mm-hmm. I just mm. wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. Cool. And you got your wish because you have. Six, I did, right? I, yes, yeah. I have six. Yep, from age six to fifteen. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. Okay, so you had six kid, six kids in eleven years. That is an accomplishment. <laughs> I did. Yes. Yes. Huh. yes. Cool. We had them all. They're all about eighteen months apart. Yeah. Wow. Um, and this, here's another little little known fact. We only planned two of them. <gasps> really. <laughs> Yes, the wow. first three I had got pregnant with on birth control. Oh my gosh! Then, yes, and then we had I planned the fourth one. So there's a, the longest gap between Josiah and Isaac, which are my two boys in the middle, um, because we had just started seminary and um, Dad was working all kinds of jobs and all kinds of hours and stuff. So there's like a longer gap there. And then after he was born, I really wanted another one. So I planned number five, and then after I had number five, I knew I never wanted another kid ever. <laughs> so I took like you thought think, you knew, yeah. Like, way back in the day, like the I think it was called the Morena ring or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like you insert. I got pregnant on that number wow. six, and I kid you not, when I went in for my scheduled C-section, we were joking with the anesthesiologist about it, and he was like. Well, you're the, like the third person I've mm-hmm. seen this week. We must have gotten a bad batch at the mm-hmm. office or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, a bad batch. I actually yes. have a friend. I have another friend who got pregnant on the the ring as well, and it was sort of the same thing. Like they were saying, they like when it happens, it seems to happen. I don't know. This is like probably bad. I don't need to like share <laughs> like medical like drug information. <laughs> like I'm some kind of experts, but I've heard of other people in that situation. So yes. <laughs> And then I had a tubal after Greenlee, and I have regretted it oh, really? almost every day. Yeah, I just really, I mean, I was tired. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she's six now, and mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's like, still this longing for a baby mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. So, so if, you're, if you're contemplating it, don't do it. Yeah. Just don't. Good to know. Yeah. So, there was somebody that was asking me about that, and I was like, well, you know, Lori has this. <laughs> it's like, Lori Harris had this, and... That she like I just ever since I met her I've heard her like say she wants another baby you know mm-hmm. yes so I'm passing it on mm-hmm. <laughs> spread the word guys <laughs> never say never right <laughs> so Lori where did you grow up I grew up in Dorches North Carolina which is right outside of Rocky Mount where I am now mm-hmm. it's a little farming community and I went to high school right there and I Worked at the grocery store there, super small town. All of my family lived there. And we lived off of a street called Browntown Road. And nice. it was named after my family and my dad's family because all of his oh. siblings and, like, uh, uh, uncles and, you know, his his dad, they're all farmers. So mm-hmm. it was all farmland. 
It's adorable. It's very cute. Mm-hmm. I love the street name. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then can you, so I, I was saying earlier, I was laying in bed with my now three-year-old and I was thinking about everything I don't know about you. So how did you, because you spent some time in Texas. So how did you get to Texas? Well, I met that when we were in college at UNCG. Okay. And we got married my senior year of college. And my dad was diagnosed with brain cancer when I was a sophomore. Mm, So during my sophomore year of college, my my home church pastor would come to the hospital and visit. And I'd go and visit my dad. And he met Thad there. So when Thad graduated from college, that man hired Thad as a youth pastor. So when, when Thad and I first got married, we lived in Rocky Mount. We lived here for three years. And we went from there to a church planting agency in the mountains of North Carolina. And while we were there, we felt like we really needed some seminary training. And mm-hmm. we decided we needed to go to DTS, which is in Dallas. So after a year of waiting for housing to open up we and getting pregnant with our third kid, we moved to Dallas. So we were in Dallas from 2005 until the end of 2011. And so oh, I didn't we moved... know it was that long. Yeah, we were there almost seven years. Okay. Yeah, because that he the THM program at Dallas <clears throat> is 120 hours, which is a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. So if even if you go full time, it usually takes most people five years. Mm-hmm. Well, he worked full time, mm-hmm. um, so it took us seven. Mm-hmm. You married a hardworking man, Lori. I did. Yeah, he's a workaholic. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. his thing. That's mm-hmm. his problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's not what I was trying to say, but because <laughs> even now he works. Yeah. Does he work full time and is the he pastor? Uh huh. He works full time and he pastors the church. He, like, like in the morning, like he has an early morning meeting. He meets with all the guys from our church usually at six in the morning, or he'll have a lunch with them sometimes, or he does it right after work. Like he meets with the men in our neighborhood right after work. Mm-hmm. So like last night he came home at six thirty because he met with Deontay from down the street for like mm-hmm. an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, honestly, it sounds, it sounds like we have a really busy life, but we really don't because mm-hmm. nice. our, our church and our ministry is just in the natural mm-hmm. rhythm of everyday living. Right. So. Right. Right. You guys, I feel like you model that so well because you're doing a lot of big things, but you're doing them in these really small, faithful ways. I feel like I'm learning a lot just from hearing you talk and Watching from afar. We've screwed up so many times. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, we've been married. It'll be 17 years next month. And oh, we've man. experienced a whole lot of life in 17 years. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I just feel like in the, in the last five years of being here in Rocky Mount, like the Lord really had to break us mm. from workaholism because mm-hmm. I think we were both prone to that. Mm-hmm. And in Dallas, it's a fast paced culture. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, you've got high achievers, really super educated people, and we thrive in that environment. So coming back to Rocky Mount, where he was, you know, and he's works for a construction company, mm-hmm. and then we live in an impoverished area with uneducated people. It was like the flip side, like mm-hmm. so upside down of what our other life used to be. And it took us at least, I would say, three years mm-hmm. for God to like break us down to this is what I've called you to do. Mm-hmm. So just slow down and just do it. But it's been a process, mm-hmm. and we we fail a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you have siblings, Lori? I do. I have three younger brothers. One brother oh, okay. lives here in Rocky Mount. I keep his kids. And then I have one brother that lives in Raleigh. And then I have another brother who lives in Nashville, Tennessee. And a lot of you guys know him. Mm-hmm. His name's Eric Brown. He does photography and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, he has a daughter with a disease I can't pronounce. So anyway, yep, mm-hmm. he lives there. Yeah, I know of them. That's right. We have some friends in common, I think, in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. 
I don't I don't remember knowing him, but I do remember that you had a niece who had a, a certain disease that I couldn't pronounce either. <laughs> yeah, it's super long. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you say you keep your brother's kids, you mean you keep them during the day, right? Yes, I keep them yeah. for my baby brother and his wife to work. So they're mm-hmm. here from about 7.30 to about 5.30 every day, mm-hmm. except Fridays. Fridays I'm off. So mm-hmm. Friday's my day to, like, get it all done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was saying. Doesn't know if we ever need anything from you, right? We'll yes. pester you on Friday, right? <laughs> yeah, I was saying I didn't. I I sometimes think of Lori as the one with all the with the older kids, but it, mm-hmm. knowing that sort of changes my understanding of what your like rhythms are like because my youngest is three, so I guess Lindsay and I are probably in slightly more similar scenarios day to day, except my kids don't, aren't homeschooled, so it, I'm like, oh wow. I am the one that probably has the least children around most of the time, which is not Yeah, most people assume that all my kids are at school. Yeah. I'm a public school advocate. They assume that all my kids are at school, and I'm like, no, I still have three kids at home all day. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Lori, when and how did you start blogging? How did you get into that? I started blogging when we first moved back home to Rocky Mount in 2012. And I started blogging kind of like to keep our home church like up to date with what we were doing here. mm -hmm. And then Uh because I am super authentic and super vulnerable, (laughs) I just started vomiting online. (laughs) (laughs) It happens. (laughs) And over time it was cathartic Mm because I I blogged. I used to blog every single day because I was such a hot mess, Mm -hmm. but it was like a, I just, most blog posts were about 300 words. You know, it was like, here's my vomit session for the day. I Mm -hmm. hate this. This sucks. Mm -hmm. Jesus is killing me. Mm -hmm. Like he's, I'm really dead to him now. Like he really hates me. (laughs) Like that was, it was awful for at least two whole years. And the third year I would have a couple of good posts, but then it would be like, no, Jesus really doesn't like me today. Blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and that's, and it just kind of grew from that. And then I, mm. I wrongly assumed that only our home church was reading it. And then I realized like my local community was reading it because this is a, I mean, it's, it's the Bible belts and there's a lot of legalism. And so the things I was saying were quite appalling. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot believe she's saying it online, mm-hmm. but it was beginning to, I mean, I did a Bible study in my home as a result of the blog and people mm. came because they were like, well, if she can say her junk online, then I can say mm-hmm. my junk in that small group. And that's kind of how it happened. And I, I always loved to write, but I never had a reason to write. Mm-hmm. And so moving home. And so I've been blogging now for five years mm-hmm. and you would never know it because my, like after five years of intentional blogging, normally you have a huge platform. I just, I've never cared to do that. Mm-hmm. I just like the intentional this is what I want to say today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no mm-hmm. rhyme or reason. I don't have a plan. Mm-hmm. If God gives me a word to say, I'm going to sit down and write that word and with no intentions of it going anywhere. And yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, your, I don't think I'm your normal blogger. Mm-hmm. We've kind of, I think we sort of found each other online over church planting. And I remember it was probably four years ago. So in maybe yeah. some of those darker days. And I remember being really encouraged. Like I found courage in reading what you were writing because I was, dealing with some of the same stuff in a different context, but like couldn't figure out how to write, you know, as openly about it. And so, so that was kind of one of my first perspectives on you. It's like, oh, she's really brave to she's be able really to. losing her mind. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was just like, 
friends we thought. <laughs> yeah, I feel so much better about myself after reading Lori's book. Well, we're not going to fail, but hers is getting ready to crash <laughs> right. and burn. Oh. No, not no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying yeah, I read I it and was like, man. She is really good at communicating exactly what's going on, and I wish that I could figure out how to do that somewhere, whether it's on my blog or just in person or with someone who lives far away or whatever. So, Well, thanks sure. for saying that because I've yeah. had a lot of regret and how honest I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how any – I didn't know how else to, to say it. Right. It is you – know? well, yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's like either you say it like that or you don't say it at all. And right. And that's hard. Yeah. So I totally feel that, Lori. I have some regrets over – things that I blogged about at the beginning about like my family members and stuff. You know, I'm like, oh, I think that was like my, my oldest son. I think that was probably a little like much. We, we just, I've like gone back and deleted it like mm-hmm. months later, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I'm grateful so- to have, well, I'm grateful to, for having gone through the process of writing it. Cause I did force yeah. myself to write every day. So I have a, I can't go back and read it because it's quite painful for me mm-hmm. to go back and read it because I still experience those feelings, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it was so cathartic because it did help me Yeah, forcing me to write it made me like ask Lord, what are you trying to say to me? Like, mm-hmm. what are yes. you doing? Yeah. And what is the purpose? Because I'm not feeling any purpose here. Mm-hmm. I think Anne Lamott says if people don't want like there's sto- something like if people don't want their stories to be recorded or if they're offended by the way you record their stories, they should have behaved better in the first place or something like that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I had um, several years ago, it's been probably three years ago now, I had someone at our first church plant, our first expression of fellowship. I took me out for dinner one night and I thought we were going to just have dinner, Chick-fil-A we're eating and then she starts vomiting about how much her husband hates that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there like, this is not going very well. This is really not going very well. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and she was like laughing and joking and I'm literally crying at the mm-hmm. table. Well, I, I like filed that they left the church and I filed that conversation away for like eight months. And then I blogged about it. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things of, well, do I have a right to say that? And then I, it, it came. It came down to that same realization. Mm-hmm. She had done something to me, you know, and I had experienced yeah. and lived it, and I had a right to be able to express that mm-hmm. um, because it was quite painful. But I learned a lesson in that mm-hmm. um, that I felt like was important, you know, it was valuable. But that's so true. I think about that all the time. Like, yeah. Wait, can I say this? <laughs> right. Yeah. So when you talk about coming back home to Rocky Mount after being in Dallas for, you say, seven years. Yes. And just you know, writing out of your emotions and out of kind of feeling forsaken by God. Would you say that's been the hardest period of your life? Second like hardest. Like if somebody, second Yeah, that's hardest. the second hardest. The first hardest was when we moved to Spruce Pine to work for a church planting agency. After about, we, you know, we were feeling led to go to seminary. And honestly, some things happened in that ministry we just didn't feel good about. You know, we couldn't put our finger on like where the money was going I mean, those kinds of things we just had questions about and Mm -hmm. kind of when we began to voice those questions, we got fired. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. um, so, and we had to immediately come back home. I mean, I was, we had two small children. We had been living on $18,000 a year Mm -hmm. because we were planting a church in a marginalized community. So we were living in section eight housing. Mm -hmm. We had no, we had nothing. We had put all of the ministry debt on our personal credit card. Because, you know, we were promised, you know, just put it on the credit card, mm. we'll pay you back, whatever. And it just oh. began to accumulate, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we had to move back in with my mom. And during that time, I got pregnant with Josiah. We were waiting for student housing to open up at DTS. And I just felt full of shame. 
I'm like, here I am, knocked up. I've got two kids. Mm-hmm. I'm living with my mom. We've just been fired. This is humiliating. We were 26, and we were like, who do we tell? Like, we can't tell anybody what we think is going on. And because we don't have any proof, but mm. it was just one of those things. And you know, the funny thing is, during that time we were here, we served at the Methodist church in town, and we were so Baptist. And <laughs> but, but this door opened at this Methodist church, and the pastor said, I know you're waiting for seminary housing to open up. Just come serve our youth ministry until you leave. He was a DTS grad. And I, that, that year was super healing for us because it was a vo- really vulnerable church. And God ended up using a couple from that church to kind of like fund our way through seminary. Mm. So God used that year. You know, it was he brought good out of the ashes of that. Had that bad experience not happened, I don't know that we would have grown up as much as we did. So by the time we went to seminary, like we didn't have any rose-colored glasses about mm-hmm. what ministry was like. We had a good idea mm-hmm. of what mm. we were getting ourselves into. And so we have yeah. always felt quite older than our peers, which has been good in some ways. I but now at that. almost 40, like we feel like 55, like we're <laughs> out here. We should not still be planting a church. It should be planted. You know? mm. Yeah, those things. So what would you say to someone who is, you know, has a few kids, has been married for a while and who is either considering going to seminary herself or whose husband is considering going to seminary? I would say it has to be a family commitment. And I would really, I would really encourage your spouse to work through seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people discourage that, but I feel like for that, it helped develop character it mm-hmm. helped give him credibility. It helped him mature because he had to balance, he had to juggle his family, providing for us mm-hmm. and getting an education. Mm-hmm. And that was hard, but he did it. And the other thing is, I would say is it's a, it's a season. Mm-hmm. And so in that season, really soak it up, build some good relationships with other seminary students and their families, because these are the people that are going to support you 15 years from now. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, you know, we had some like what I would call fringe friends. Um, while we were in seminary, our husbands were closer than we were. But those girls are probably my closest friends now. Mm-hmm. Five oh, years really? out of seven. Yeah. Because they were able to meet me, you know, in my blogging, like, vomit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I see you. I, I hear you. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm affirming you and, and how you're feeling. Huh. And this is what I see God doing. And it was those other pastors' wives who'd been in the trenches during mm-hmm. that time as well. So I, that's, I guess that would be my one encouragement. Mm-hmm. So just hearing you talk about that season of, you know, Thad working and, and it, well, and even now, like, but being in seminary and, and now working and, and leading a church too. And you're so involved in your church and your community. What, what do you do for self-care? Do you feel like you have kind of have that down or do you feel like you're still struggling with that? I think I'm still struggling with it. Uh-huh. I think I'm always, I think most people have a bent towards justice are going to always feel like we mm. can't rest, like there's something else that has to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, or we'll have like the this idea that like the savior complex almost. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't do it, no one's going to do it. Right, yeah. Our, okay. our context is different because we're intentionally neighboring. So our home is not a haven. It's a haven for our neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, but it's not always a haven for us. <clears throat> yeah. So honestly, when the mission scene came in the summer and they put in the fire pit in the backyard, I get up in the morning and I'm like, how can I go in the backyard, put a fire in the fire pit and sit there for an hour? Uh-huh. Like, how can I, how can I get that one hour in? And I'm looking forward to it tomorrow. And we just tell the kids, we're like, okay, 
Lori's going to get an hour by herself. We're going to put the fire out here. And when she comes out, you guys have to go hit the basketball court or whatever because I need that time. And I also, I joke about it all the time, but I love to get in my car and just drive around downtown mm-hmm. by oh, myself. Yeah. I take my camera and I listen to music. It's always homeboy country, just to let you know. And I drive around downtown, <laughs> usually with the windows <clears throat> down, even when it's cold, I roll the windows down and I have heat going because I, there's something soul fulfilling for me to see my neighborhood in my car. Mm-hmm. It just keeps me focused on what I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't really go far away from my neighborhood. I go to Target, but I'm, I shop on my side of the tracks. I mean, I do everything right here in a small little patch of earth and it's good for me that mm-hmm. I, I could do so much. I don't take a full day of Sabbath. I try and on the days that I do it, I feel so much better, but it's just hard. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your neighbors, your neighbors are like, oh, Lori's out thinking again. Yes. I hear Georgia, Florida line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, how do you have time to blog? Don't laugh. Don't okay. laugh because nobody believes me, but. When the kids are playing and it's like mass chaos, that's when I'm writing. Mm. Like I mm. wrote a blog post last Thursday. I started it at four o'clock, right when the kids got home. I blogged through the chaos of dinner. I didn't leave the chair for five hours. But I was so committed wow. to it. I don't, I can't go to a coffee shop by myself and sit in the quiet. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? So Yeah, I try. I will try to sneak away because I think that's what I need. But mm-hmm. honestly, the thoughts don't come. Mm-hmm. Huh. So I blog whenever I have a moment. Uh-huh. That's it's, so different than me. That's really fascinating. It's really not. It's really, well, no, I it think is. my writing could be so much better. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> what you could do with some solitude. <laughs> I could really get some writing done. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just now picturing you. I guess when I picture people writing, which I guess I don't sit around and do a lot, but <laughs> I think about it in like a coffee shop type setting or like mm-hmm. in a desk at their house or mm-hmm. something. So now I'm going to picture you like with kids and teenagers mm-hmm. running crazy all around you and mm-hmm. yelling yes. and you're hammering away at the keys. I like that. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. that's really encouraging, actually, because I do think a lot of us feel like, you know, it has to be like this perfect scenario to be able to get things out. But it's a good reminder that some really good writing can come out of <laughs> sort of chaotic <laughs> circumstances. Yeah. Well, thanks. I think we have a good idea about this, but what would you say is something that makes your heart beat fast or what is something that kind of keeps you up at night? The one thing that keeps me up at night is how unengaged the church seems to be in our world. Mm. And when I'm driving around downtown and I see, you know, church buildings that are practically empty they're dilapidated and falling down and there's so much hunger and poverty. And I just, and I go to my, my kids' public school and I'm like, where are the Christians? Like, mm-hmm. where is the light? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there are like glimmers of it. And people get onto me all the time. Like, you know, you, you can't snuff out the light, but the reality is like, if there were more of us involved in the world, the light would be a whole lot brighter. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That, that's just the reality. So the one thing that keeps me up at night is how do I, through my writing, through my life, through all of these things, how do I convince the church it has got to die to self mm-hmm. and like live in the world? Mm-hmm. How do I do that? Yeah. Um, 
and do it with grace and humility, but really do it with boldness and mm-hmm. saying like, we have to, like, we don't have an option here mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because I'm so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Lori. Well, thanks. <laughs> I'm like going to be thinking about so many of these. Things I know. I'm so good. I feel like we could do another half hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I still have questions to ask, but I'll have to send them to you later I yeah guess. <laughs> well and yeah if you you know for any listeners who have more questions we would love to hear them if you want to head over to our facebook page our instagram page and or our personal pages and just kind of post follow-up questions we'd love to know yeah kind of what this is making you think about or what you want to hear more about from Lori specifically or from any of us and Lori, where can people find you well my blog is lauriharris.me you can find me there and on Instagram and you can find me on Facebook, Lori Harris. Uh, I have a personal page and then a blog page. And honestly, I don't post much to my personal page unless I have a local request like, Hey, Parker needs pencils. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who wants to get some mm-hmm. pencils for my school? Um, I'll post there, but normally on my blog page. And I'll be honest, I am really slow to respond. Not because I don't care, but because life is a zoo. Mm-hmm, and sometimes right. if I read a message, I want to think about my response. Mm-hmm. And then I go back to answer it. And I can't remember where it was. <laughs> was it on Instagram? Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Okay. Are you on Twitter? I have an account there, yes. You don't, you <laughs> I, don't spend a lot of time there. Twitter yeah. makes me crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I just get mad when I'm on Twitter, so I don't like it. Well, I know you're awesome about answering Instagram questions, and but especially good on your blog. I feel like you, I can, if I leave a comment, I feel pretty confident that you will respond to it. Yeah, so. I usually do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Lori, and thanks, Christy. Thanks, yeah. I guess, is I there, think. I think we probably kind of know the answer. I have an alarm set. Sorry. Uh, you should probably, I think we're coming close on time. Okay. Um, all right. I'll end in there. <laughs>